The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. An excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands, to the, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and a teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Well, good leaders are so important. Um, they matter everywhere. Um, if you're a fan of the England cricket team like I am, you'll know just how much a good leader matters. Um, last year, England was struggling. They had Joe Root as captain, great, great batter, but rubbish captain. They lost nearly every game last year. This year, Ben Stokes is captain, we're winning nearly every game. Long may it continue. But, but even if you um, don't care at all about cricket, um, you know that a good leader matters. Uh, just think about the situation we're in right now with our own country. In a few weeks' time, we'll have a new leader, we'll have a, a new Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, 
And we're waiting for a new leader. We're waiting for the Tory members to decide between Liz and Rishi, because the last leader, he wasn't very good. He kept on lying, he couldn't be trusted, and really he didn't have much wisdom. And so Boris failed, and we'll have to wait and see if Liz or Rishi are any better than Boris. So we know that good leaders matter, but what is it that we actually want from our leaders? We're all going to choose people to follow, people that we want to emulate, people that inspire us. But what do we want from them? What would make them the kind of leader we want to follow? What kind of leader do we need? What kind of leader do God's people need? And that's the question which our passage gets at today. What kind of leader, what kind of king do God's people need? We've heard over the last few months that Proverbs is a book all about leadership. It's about wise leadership. This is a book that teaches God's people what it means to rule with wisdom, what it means to rule wisely. We've called this series A Son in Search of Wisdom because Proverbs is a training manual for a son, but not just any old son, a son who is going to be king one day and a king who needs wisdom if he's going to rule well. But the sad story in the Old Testament, the story of Israel, the story that's been in the background throughout Proverbs was that king after king failed to rule with wisdom. They chose folly rather than wisdom again and again. But God had made a promise to Israel. It comes up again and again in the Old Testament that he would give them a king in the line of David, a king that would rule with justice, that would rule with wisdom. And so God's people knew that even though David's first son, Solomon, had failed, and then the king after that, and then the king after that, God's promise to them would prove true. One day they would have a leader that would rule with wisdom, who would rule over a kingdom that would never end. And so this week, we come to the final chapter in Proverbs, and we meet a king called Lemuel. Um, Lemuel isn't a guy that comes up anywhere else in the Bible, but his name means belonging to God. And this king, who belongs to God, is told by his mother to be the leader that God's people need, to rule with justice and to rule with wisdom. So in this chapter, we've got a picture of the king God's people were waiting for. You might know that Jesus tells us in the New Testament that the whole Old Testament is about him. He is what it's all about. And sometimes when we read Proverbs, and maybe you felt like this, you felt like it's very distant from Jesus. It just seems like a book of practical wisdom. But in this chapter, we see that Proverbs points us to Jesus because he's the leader that we need. He's the king who embraces wisdom who embodies all that we've been learning about in this book. And so my hope is that as we look at this chapter, um, we'll all be reminded of how good it is to follow King Jesus, the King who showed us what it means to live wisely, to rule with righteousness, with justice, and with wisdom. Well, let's dive in. You can follow along uh, the points on the handouts as usual. Our first point, the King who rules with justice. So Proverbs begins and ends with some parental advice. We heard from a father in chapter 1, and now we hear from a mother in chapter 31. And verse 1, if you have a look down, tells us that we're reading an oracle that Lemuel's mother taught him. So our king, Lemuel, he learned this oracle at the same time as his ABCs. And Lemuel's mother has got a short list of do's and don'ts to help her son rule with justice. This is the key stage one on how to be a good king. So let's start with the don'ts. They're pretty simple. Don't chase after women and don't spend your time getting drunk. 
adultery and alcohol. They're the two big things that will keep the king from ruling with justice. Have a look down with me at verse 3. If you've closed your Bibles, we're on page 665, Proverbs 31, verse 3. Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. So we've seen this theme come up again and again in Proverbs. Lemuel's mother tells him to stay away from the adulterous woman. It's the temptation to go after this adulterous woman that will lead the king away from the Lord. That's the path to destruction. And this king, he needs to stay away. And I think we're meant to think of Solomon here. Lemuel's mother is basically saying, don't do a Solomon. Don't give your strength to women. Be better than Solomon. He was the king who asked for wisdom from God and he got it. God gave him wisdom and the kingdom enjoyed great blessings, but it didn't last. It couldn't last because he chose folly. He married woman after woman, 700 wives, 700 wives, and eventually his heart was turned away from the Lord. And so this king needs to be better. If he's going to rule with justice, then he needs to fix his eyes on the Lord and not be moved. And it's exactly the same with drink. Have a look at verses four and five again. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Lemuel is to stay away from alcohol because his focus is on ruling with justice. Did you notice that? He must not forget what has been decreed. He must not pervert the rights of all the afflicted. This king's job is to teach God's law, to instruct them in truth, to establish justice. And of course he's not going to do that if he's off getting drunk, because his focus is beyond ruling with justice. And so that means his mouth is open. Unlike the fool who Proverbs tells us needs to stop talking, he's to speak up. He's to use wisdom to speak up for the oppressed. Have a look at verses 8 to 9. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. So here's the king Israel were waiting for. The king who cares for the lowest of society, those who can't speak for themselves, those with nothing. And he brings the justice that they're waiting for. He can't stay silent when he sees oppression. He opens his mouth. He speaks for the voiceless. Can you imagine how good his kingdom would be? I think it's easy, isn't it, to get disheartened by human leaders, human leaders failing. So often we we see leaders who are corrupt, who are dishonest, who who let us down. They put their interests above others. Um, Maybe it's, it's pretty bad when Boris Johnson lets us down, but we maybe didn't care that much about that. But what about when someone who we really looked up to uh, lets us down? What about when Christian leaders get it wrong? We hear of leaders abusing their power, bullying the people they were meant to serve. Uh, We hear of leaders who've gone off with people they weren't married to, destroyed their ministries. And and it can be depressing to to hear of leaders like this who've who've let us down. Um, It can make us question whether we really want to stick with, with church, with with Jesus, but here is a king who's not like that. This is the kind of leader we all want. He's not led astray by his love of women or his love of wine, because he cares about justice. 
He speaks up for the weak and the oppressed. He doesn't rule by placing burdens on us. He carries our burdens on his own shoulders. He brings justice. And in this chapter of Proverbs, we have a profile of King Jesus. He's the king Israel were waiting for, the king that's greater than Solomon, the king who didn't go Solomon's way, didn't give his strength to women, but came to establish justice, to bring the justice that we all hope for, every single one of us. And it may be that you're, you're here today and, and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. Um, we often get lots of visitors at this time of year. And, and thanks so much for joining us. I, I hope um, you feel really welcomed. Do come and say hi afterwards. I'd love to meet you. But I'd love you to take the time um, this September, this new academic year, to consider Jesus. If, if we're all going to follow some kind of leader, some of them might be good and, and some of them might let us down, but Jesus is the leader that we need. He's the leader that's truly worth following. He rules with justice. You don't hear about him in some sleazy scandal. No, the Jesus that we meet in the New Testament, that King Israel we're waiting for, is a just ruler who seeks out the weak, the oppressed, and he lifts them up. His kingdom is a place where anyone, right to the very least, can be cared for and valued. If you're gonna follow someone, don't you wanna follow a leader like that? Don't you want a king like that? And look, um, at St. Helens, um, this September, we'll be starting our RML groups, our, our midweek groups, um, where we'll be looking at um, Mark's gospel. And that would be a really great place for you to start if you want to keep on looking at Jesus, if you want to know what he was like, why he came, and, and what he did. And that'd be a great place to start. So um, why don't ask someone later if you want to know more details about that. But let's get back to um, Proverbs 31. Um, King Lemuel's mother, mother's advice doesn't stop with the list of do's and don'ts. Uh, like um, many mothers out there, she wants her son to marry well. But she doesn't want him to choose any old wife. She wants him to choose wisdom as his wife. And so that's our second point. The king who chooses wisdom as his wife. Second point on the handout. The king who chooses wisdom as his wife. Proverbs 31 is um, quite a popular chapter in some uh, Christian circles. Um, men want to marry her and, and women want to be her. Um, but the trouble is um, everyone can get a bit frustrated because she seems just a bit much. She seems like an impossible idea, ideal. She basically seems to do everything. And maybe, maybe you, you heard this chapter and you thought, well, I'm not sure that's going to be me and you know, this just seems too much. But I wonder if, if that is kind of the point. She is an impossible ideal because she is lady wisdom embodied. We're not meant to read this chapter as, as a blueprint for what a man needs to look for in a wife. Uh, we want to read um, books of the Bible in their context as a whole. So we need to read these verses in the context of what we've learned from Proverbs as a whole. And we saw in the first nine chapters of Proverbs, a royal son was invited to embra embrace wisdom as a lover. So it makes absolute sense that when we come to the conclusion of Proverbs, we meet another royal son invited to marry wisdom, to embrace wisdom as the perfect wife. And that means this excellent wife is an illustration of what wisdom looks like. Lemuel is to not be like Solomon, to avoid giving his strength to women, but rather to find the excellent woman, the excellent wife, to find and embrace wisdom. He's to choose wisdom over folly, over folly to choose wisdom as his wife. 
So that means this excellent wife in this chapter isn't meant to make us feel bad. This isn't an impossible ideal for every woman in the room. She re represents a picture of what wisdom actually looks like. Uh, we can't see it in our translation, but um, this description of the excellent wife is actually an acrostic poem. So that's a poem which goes from A to Z at the beginning of each line. And the point is that this is a comprehensive picture, A to Z, of what wisdom looks like. So she's got lots to teach us about what it looks like to live wisely. She's meant to be an inspiration for us, really, not to make us feel bad. And we're going to spend lots of time thinking about that on Wednesday at Summerlink, so, so do come back for that. But for now, we're going to focus on the king and his choice of wisdom. So let's have a think about this excellent wife. What's so special about her? Why should the king choose her as his wife? I've got three things I want us to notice about her. Number one, she is precious. She's precious. So I've got here in my hand um, my sister-in-law's engagement ring. Um, some, somehow I convinced her to give it to me for this. Um, <laughs> hopefully won't lose it. Um, <laughs> and, you know, this is, this is a really nice ring, I think. You know, it seems pretty precious. Um, but, you know, let's say I did decide to um, chuck it in a hole somewhere over here, to, to put it in the bin or something, if I lost it. Well, you know, they, my brother would be upset, I think. My sister-in-law would be upset. But they'd get over it. You know, the, she would... <laughs> maybe. Uh, she would still be there, you know, that, and that's what really counts. And it's the same with this excellent wife here. This wife is more precious than any ring, any ruby, any diamond, more precious. Have a look at verse 10. An excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. And that's exactly the same as we heard about wisdom right at the beginning of the book. So chapter 8, verse 11, no need to turn there, but we hear the same thing. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. And of course, you can see in the passage why she's so valuable, why she's so precious. Because she's a companion that will never let the king down. Have a look at verses 11 to 12. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. You're never going to question this wife. You're never going to doubt her. Everything she does benefits her husband. And that's what it looks like to choose wisdom. Chapter 1, verse 33 tells us, but whoever listens to wisdom will dwell secure, will be at ease without dread of disaster. The king should marry wisdom because she's precious. But secondly, the king should marry wisdom because she serves others. Now, one of the striking things about this poem is just how much this wife does. She's everywhere. Have a read of it again later. But let me pick out some highlights for us now. Have a look down at verse 15. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her, for her maidens. She gets up before dawn to provide for her family. And of course, that means they've got everything they need because she doesn't stop thinking about them. Verse 27, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. There's no idleness in this woman. And it's not that she's just staying at home, just taking care of them. She also develops her land. She trades. She, she makes and sells her own clothes. Have a look at verse 18. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. Verse 19, she puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. This woman is a blessing to her family. She's a blessing to her community. 
but also a blessing to the poor. Verse 20, she opens her hand to the poor, reaches out her hand to the needy. You could describe this woman as a a full-time mother, a business CEO, a social worker, all rolled into one. She does all these things, and all these things she does for the sake of others. Her life is defined by service. Her wisdom, wisdom itself, looks like service. And all of these things mean she deserves our praise. So that's our third thing on the handout. The king should marry wisdom because she deserves our praise. Have a look with me at the final verses of Proverbs, verses 28 to 31. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Uh, This is a little bit like Instagram on Mother's Day. Her husband, her children, everyone who knows her praises her. It's praise all around. And even if her work looks like service now, it looks tough now, those who she's given herself to in service will one day praise her. And she deserves that praise because she fears the Lord. The Proverbs began with the words that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And this woman is what that looks like. Verse 30, charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. This woman has given her life over to serving others because her life is based on her fear of the Lord. Her wisdom comes from the fact that she knows who the Lord is. She knows God's place, and so she knows her place. She knows that he's the one who gives wisdom, and so she deserves our praise. And the point is that our king needs to embrace wisdom. Here, Lady Wisdom is an excellent wife. She's everything anyone could ever want in a wife. She's precious, she serves others, she deserves our praise. And the king needs to embrace wisdom. He needs to make wisdom his most intimate companion. He needs wisdom to shape everything that he does. He needs to walk with wisdom by his side every day. This is the king that God's people need. This is the king Israel were waiting for. And so Proverbs ends by pointing us to a future king, a king who chooses wisdom, who will rule with the wisdom of Solomon, Israel's greatest king, who will bring all the blessings that he brought and more, who will avoid what he got wrong. So Proverbs ends looking for a king who will rule with justice, who will embrace wisdom, who will fear the Lord. And so the book of Proverbs takes us to Jesus. It points us to Jesus because Jesus is the son, the king who chose wisdom. Unlike Solomon, he feared the Lord from his first day right to his last day. He was a servant of others right to his death on a cross. If you look in your service sheet, you'll see Philippians 2. We read it earlier. And Paul tells us in Philippians 2 that Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Our King Jesus gave his own life in service of others. If you want to see the wisdom of God, look at the cross. 
It's at the cross that Jesus showed us the kind of king he is, the king who came to serve rather than to be served, the king who gave all the glory to his heavenly father, who feared the Lord. But of course, the cross is not the end of the story. Jesus rose from the grave, and so now he's seated at the right hand of his father. And so just like the excellent wife in our passage today, Jesus deserves our praise. In fact, Paul says he's going to get our praise. Philippians 2 keeps going. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And so, as Christians today, we have the great joy of following a leader who is truly wise. We serve a king who chose wisdom, who feared the Lord, and who serves us. In his great humility, in his great wisdom, he took the punishment that we deserve for our arrogance, for our evil, for our sin, so that we might be forgiven, so that we might have new life, so that we might follow after him and to live wisely as he's shown us how. Jesus is not like any other leader before or since. There is no better leader we could choose to follow. And so we've seen throughout Proverbs that wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. To be wise is to recognize who God is and to respond rightly to him. And so to recognize that Jesus is our Lord, that one day every knee will bow to him, one day every single person will praise him, we must realize that if we want to live wisely in God's world, we need to honor the Lord Jesus. We need to fear him. The one thing that we need in life is to trust him, to give him the praise that he deserves, to honor him as our Lord. That's ultimately what Proverbs is all about. That's what Proverbs wants from us. It wants us to look to the true king, our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the beginning and end of all wisdom, to know Jesus as our wise king. Well, let me pray as we close. Heavenly Father, we praise you for the Lord Jesus, that he came not to be served, but to serve. Thank you that he is such a good king, that he's a king who rules with justice and wisdom. And please, Lord, uh, would you help us to um, follow his example by living wisely, by fearing you and serving others. Amen.